Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the COVID-19 Inquiry Spotlight Sessions. I'm Hannah Frost, an associate in the Business Crime and Compliance team, and I'm joined again by my colleague Alex Friston, also from the Business Crime and Compliance team. In the last episode, we spoke about the role of a core participant in a public inquiry. In this episode, we discussed the recent publication of the draft terms of reference for the upcoming COVID-19 inquiry. Alex, could you tell us a bit more about the announcement? So now that we're two years down the line, um, on the 11th of March, the draft terms of reference for the COVID inquiry were published. This is a very important update for us to consider as there's been a lot of speculation out there about what the terms of reference might contain and also, and very importantly, how they're going to be setting the tone for the inquiry itself by defining the scope of the investigation. So let's start by looking at what we know about those draft terms uh, so far. Hannah? Thanks, Alex. So the draft terms of reference have been published after consultation with the inquiry chair, Dame Heather Hallett, and the ministers from the devolved administrations. There will be a further public consultation of about four weeks, led by Dame Hallett, to consider any changes to the terms that may be required before they're finalised. Dame Hallett has urged those with views to come forward and share them. The consultation period closes on the 7th of April, and responses to the consultation can be submitted via an online survey on the COVID-19 inquiry website, or by writing to the inquiry. The inquiry team will also be visiting towns and cities across the UK to gather the views of those affected. By taking part in the consultation, you can have your say on whether you think the draft terms of reference cover everything that should be addressed by the inquiry, which topics you think the inquiry should look at first, whether you think the inquiry should set a planned end date for its public hearings, how you think the inquiry should be designed and run to ensure that bereaved people or those that have suffered harm or hardship as a result of the pandemic can have their voices heard. The fact that there's going to be a public consultation is a positive step towards ensuring that the inquiry scope is broad enough and also that the inquiry is supported by the public and most importantly properly reflects their concerns. In an open letter announcing the consultation, the chair has indicated that evidence for the inquiry will be gathered throughout 2022 with public hearings set to begin in 2023. Interestingly, the inquiry will consider and report on the preparations for and response to the pandemic by the whole of the UK, including reserved and devolved matters. However, it states it will seek to minimise any duplication of investigation by other public inquiries established. Currently, we know there will be a separate public inquiry in Scotland into the response to the coronavirus pandemic, and there is a political push for inquiries to be established in Wales and Northern Ireland. So now to the terms of reference themselves. The draft terms are very wide-ranging and have two main aims. Firstly, examining the COVID-19 response and the impact of the pandemic in England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, and producing a factual narrative account. Secondly, identifying the lessons to be learned to inform the UK's preparations for future pandemics. So let's take each of the two main aims in turn and look at how the COVID inquiry are going to achieve those aims. Alex, could you talk us through the first aim? Thanks, Anna. So the first aim is the factual narrative account, which will seek to examine the response to the pandemic. And it's extremely broad, as you can expect. So firstly, under this heading, the draft terms of reference state that the inquiry will consider the preparedness and resilience of the decision-making bodies, how decisions were made, communicated and implemented, the communication between government bodies, the availability and use of data, and all the sort of legal and regulatory controls that were put in place by the government. As well as the decision-making process itself, it is also proposed that this part of the inquiry will examine the interventions that were put in place by the government. So that might include things like shielding, the use of lockdowns, social distancing, face coverings, um, tests and tracing, and so on and so forth. It will then look at topics that are more focused on a specific part of society or specific sectors, um, such as hospitality, retail, the sport and leisure sector, travel, 
Um, closure of schools too, um, very, very important. Building on this, it will look at the provisions relating to housing and homelessness, prisons, the justice system in general, and the safeguarding of public funds and management of financial risk. If we take a pause at this point, we can see just how wide-ranging the terms really are. I know they're in draft form at the moment, but it's clear that this inquiry is being set up to be a massively detailed examination of, of the response to the pandemic and ultimately the consequences felt by the whole of society. There is still a little bit more to be contained within the first aim, however. So there's also one subtopic that we were all expecting to be examined in quite a lot of detail in the inquiry, which is also included under the first heading. And that's effectively the response of the health and care sector across the UK. So the investigation into this subtopic will consider preparedness, overall capacity and resilience in the healthcare sector. Also consider the management of the pandemic in hospitals, which might include infection prevention and control, triage, um, any critical care capacity, to discharge of patients, um, the use of do not resuscitate orders, and also, very importantly, the impact on staff and staffing levels. Um, We might also consider the management of the pandemic in care homes, which would include transferring residents to or from their homes, the treatment and care of the residents, restrictions on visiting, you know, a big one. So, and quite a controversial one next, which would be the procurement and distribution of key equipment and supplies, so including PPE and ventilators. We might also see something along the lines of the development and delivery of you know, therapeutics of vaccines, something that can be seen as quite a positive impact, which the government has had on the, um, on the pandemic as a whole. And finally, you know, it would be something along the lines of the consequences of the pandemic on the provision for non-COVID-related conditions as well. So any routine surgeries, any day surgeries, um, GP visits that might have been missed, which have you know, nothing to do with COVID at all. And then finally, for the first aim, the inquiry will examine the government's economic response to the pandemic and the impact of interventions such as the job retention scheme or furlough, um, loan schemes and business rates relief grants, and also funding for public services, benefits, sick pay, and um, critically support for vulnerable people. So Hannah, do you want to tell us a little bit about the second aim? Sure. So the second aim is about the lessons learned. So once the factual narrative has been established, um, covering all of those topics um, that you've just discussed, um, Dame Hallett will then turn to identify any lessons that can be learned to inform the UK's preparations for future pandemics. And when we think about how the inquiry will achieve those two aims, the draft terms of reference set out some pointers that they will follow. So the aims that we have discussed will be achieved by taking several steps, including hearing the experiences of bereaved families and others who have suffered hardship or loss as a result of the pandemic, highlighting where lessons identified may be applied to other civil emergencies, considering the experiences of workers in the health and care sector and other key workers during the pandemic, considering any disparities evident in the impact of the pandemic and the state's response on different groups of society, considering international comparisons, and producing reports in a timely manner. It's worth noting that the inquiry will not be investigating individual cases of harm or death in detail, and the inquiry will not be asked to identify who is to blame for any failings identified. So that's the inquiry's aims under the draft terms of reference and how they will achieve them. Alex, how have the draft terms of reference been received by the public? Thanks, Anna. I mean, the publication of the the terms of reference um, have recently been described by the COVID-19 Bereaved Families for Justice group as a huge step forward, which is brilliant. However, they did say that the announcement comes far too late. So the statement that they made, which was published last week, um, goes on to say, 
We will never know how many lives could have been saved had the government had a rapid review phase in summer 2020, as we had called for at the time. Interestingly enough as well, the chief executive of the NHS providers has also um, opined, saying that it is right the inquiry looks at areas where there were major challenges. So this includes infection prevention and control, access to PPE, testing, and robust epidemiological modelling. He went on to say that trust leaders welcomed the inquiry, covering the nation's preparedness, initial capacity, and resilience ahead of and during a pandemic, and the important focus on inequalities. More generally as well, commentators have noted that the wide remit of the inquiry is likely to mean that it will take a long time to conclude. The use of a modular approach to the inquiry, where some topics are run concurrently as smaller, separate inquiries, and the use of interim reports could help to mitigate any potential delays. But however the inquiry is structured, the draft terms of reference indicate that collecting and hearing all of the evidence is going to be a time-consuming task. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you found this podcast useful and hope you can join us next time. Thanks. Thanks.